I'm going to ask you to turn to John's Gospel, the very last chapter with me this evening, please. John 21. And then we'll turn to the last book of the Bible, chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. John 21. We'll start in Revelation 2. We'll read this passage first and then come to our text scripture. I've commented each evening about the wonderful sense of the presence of our Lord in our midst. Tonight there is indeed a refreshing sense of our Lord's presence. I've thoroughly enjoyed my time with you this week. I look forward to coming and just have anticipated for weeks and even months. And my heart has been blessed just to sense his presence and the reality, the warmth of his presence, and I'm grateful. I said to the preacher there a moment ago when we were seated, I said, you came to hear me preach five, six, seven years ago, and I was in some truth that we may get into a little bit again this evening. He said, I came to hear you four times, and you preached the same sermon every time, so I didn't know. He said, I thought that was the only sermon you had. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> could have been the Lord was trying to tell him he needed that, amen. <laughs> the Lord, uh, you know, he, he's wont to uh, meet us at our point of need. And so, but uh, I love you, preacher. I'm grateful for the day God let us, uh, our paths cross. And I've said to uh, on Sunday evening, and I'll mention again this evening, I, I rejoice in what God's doing here. And, uh, I said to my wife, I said, I get in some places, I kind of wish I was a pastor again. makes me want to pastor, and I get around God doing what he's doing here. I get in some places, and I say, Lord, I'm glad I'm not a pastor, amen. <laughs> but I like what's going on here, and uh, the excitement, the enthusiasm, and your goals, your vision. It ought to be that way. The best is yet to come. I go some places and we have to talk about what we have done, what we have had. But our Lord saves the best to the last. And I think today's a good day, but tomorrow ought to be a better day. We ought to be anticipating what he's got for us. So I'm grateful and that God's permitted me to be a part of this meeting this week. You probably wouldn't believe me if I told you I'm thinking about preaching a short sermon tonight. You wouldn't believe that, I'm sure. But uh, I may have told you this. Just before I get up to preach, she's uh, seated with me here in the front. Her other papaw, she refers to him, he's a preacher, and so she'd go be seated with him while I was preaching, but she's there beside of me, and she said just before I got up, she said, Papaw, could I say something to you? She's about five, six-year-old, and I said, yeah. She pointed at my ear, and she said, I, I want to say it in your ear, <laughs> and I got over, and she whispered in my ear, and she said, 
I don't think it's going to take you a long time tonight. <laughs> now that was that little girl's way of saying been taking me too long. <laughs> so I don't think it's going to take me a long time tonight. I, I've tried to find the direction, the mind of the Lord. Of course, I, I don't say it boastfully, but of course I attempt to do that every time I go before God's people. But I said to him this afternoon, Lord, I don't want to just preach a sermon. I want your word, I want your message for this hour. And I've already quoted earlier, two nights ago, I quoted the key verse out of Revelation 2, the scripture that we're looking at. Our Lord is writing to a good church. I think in some ways one of the best churches in the New Testament era, that early age, and he commends this church for so many things. Laboring, working, patient, orthodox, fundamental, if you please, stood for the truth. Uh, tested those that would come there to speak, and if they were not true, they didn't preach. And our Lord, in the first three verses of Revelation 2, he, he commends them. But then there is a disturbing word in verse 4, nevertheless. Though he said all of that about him, he said, I have somewhat against thee. Notice the word somewhat's italicized, so it's a little more to the point. He literally said, I have against thee. And then he proceeds to tell him, he said, you've left your first love. Now that's, that's rather shocking when, he, when you ponder what he said. Working, laboring, patient, born up under burdens, hadn't lost heart, stood for truth. He did it for his namesake. And then he comes to him and said, there's something that I need to say to you that you need to give some attention to. And having made that statement... He asked him to do this. He said, remember from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else. Now here's what's disturbing. Or else I'll come to thee quickly and I'll remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. You understand what he's saying. A candlestick represents their impact in that community. The influence that they were to have. And he's saying to a good church, if you're going to make any kind of difference in your community, there's something you need to recall. You need to remember. You need to repent of this situation. And then you need to return to it. Keep that in mind. Go with me now to the last chapter of the Gospel of John. Same one who gave us this last book we read out of. And uh, we'll break in in verse number 15. Our Lord has just revealed Himself to them in a wonderful, amazing way. And uh, after fishing all night and taking nothing, now when, he, when they're under His direction, they've got such a boatload of fish, they're not able to draw them to shore. And uh, they're there. 
And the Lord, uh, he has breakfast for them. He said to them, come and dine. And then after this is over, verse 15, when they dine, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith to him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith to him, Feed my sheep. He saith to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said to him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee, and Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say to you, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, walkest whether thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and others shall gird thee and carry thee whether thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith to him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, Seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren, that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said, Not unto him he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. There are also many other things which Jesus did, to which if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. When I was in the pastorate, I preached a sermon that I entitled, My Greatest Fear for Our Church. I pondered that statement and gave some thought to it before I came and preached on the subject. And I said to our people, a <clears throat> number of things that I could be apprehensive about when it comes to this ministry and, and our church, but I said, the thing that I fear most, and I read that scripture and emphasized it basically out of the Last book of the Bible in chapter 2 and verse 4. For our Lord came to them and said, If they did not return to something they'd left, they, of course, would not be able to make any difference in their community. I read that because I'll refer to it in a moment as the Lord leads, but tonight I ask you to think with me from verses 15 down including verse 22. And I want us to think about what our Lord requires from a person or a people before He uses them in His service. Before He lets them represent Him in a way that they'll make a difference in His work. Simon Peter is being restored in this scripture to the service of the Lord. He'd been restored to fellowship earlier when you compare scriptures, but now here's the Lord publicly making some demands upon him, publicly requiring something of him before he sends him back to work, feeding the lambs, taking care of his sheep, and doing the work of God. 
I have a note before me, and I pondered uh, this that I'm about to share with you. It's sitting there a moment ago, and I won't go into much detail uh, other than just say this. It's been years ago now. I was in the pastorate. I've been out of the pastorate uh, 11 years, and this was uh, prior to my leaving the pastorate. And on a Sunday evening, the song director, our music leader, said to me, we were seated here, and the soloist was blessing us, and and he said, if I'm not mistaken, Pastor, and he mentioned the person by name, he said, he's in our service tonight. And I slipped my glasses on. You've heard me say without my glasses on, I don't see at a distance. And, and sure enough, uh, it was the preacher that he made reference to. He didn't want me to notice him, so immediately when he was aware that I had noticed him being there, he moved over a little, and he's all in the back of the building. And the song director said, I haven't seen him in years. I said, I haven't seen him in over 10 years. I preached and spoke to him after the meeting. He was in a hurry. I asked him to come back and see us, and he said, well, I'm usually working on the weekend. Two weeks from that Sunday evening, he's back in our service. And that Sunday evening, he came forward and, and spoke to me after the service, made an appointment, and came to the pastor's study, and uh, he was kind to me. He said, Preacher, when I was serving God, when I was in the pastorate, he said, I used to get your tapes. And he said, uh, you used to say you could open your heart to a person that cares about you, and they won't put you down. And he said, I I'm going to open my heart. He said, as you know, I'm not serving God. His voice took on some emotion. He said, the other evening out here is the first time I've been in church, and I believe, I believe he'd said in four or five years. I knew he'd been out of the ministry about ten years. And he said, I'd made up my mind that it was over. I just quit. And then he, he said, but when I came back that second time, you didn't know I was coming. I've never, he said, in my life had God to speak to me in such a, as he put it, pointed powerful way as he did last Sunday evening. And he said, he wanted me to come and talk to you, and I'm going to get to his point. He said, Brother Hurt, don't spare my feelings. But he said, here's what God wants me to ask you, and the question is, do you think God would ever use me again? you think God would ever let me serve him again? If you could get a hold of what... To, I'm feeling now, and as I looked him in the face, and I've known him all of his ministry. I knew him before he's even called to preach. And uh, he's broken. He'd said to me, God had me to come out here. And he said, uh, I repeat, don't spare my feelings. If you have to be pointed with me, go ahead. Listen carefully. I turned, and I have a Bible that I'm using tonight that this note was in this Bible then. I've written across the top of the page requirements for usefulness. And he asked me, Brother Hurt, do you think God would let me serve him again? You think God would uh, ever use me again in his, in his service? And I just went to this passage. I'd made myself a note. Hadn't preached on it. Just put it down as the Lord spoke to my own heart personally when he's recommissioning Simon Peter. And I just shared it with him. 
I still, I thought about it there a moment ago, I can still in my mind's eye see him. He got down beside of the couch there that he was seated on. And uh, I can still hear him as he poured his heart out and as he cried to God. And here's what he said. He said, Lord, you helping me, I'm going to make these requirements a part of my life. I didn't see him for a while. I was in Cincinnati, Ohio area. Preacher said, we're going to have Brother Hurt come to the uh, platform. He's to speak. we got some activities that's to follow. Dedicating a, a new building, they'd ask me. He was out of under our ministry, and he'd ask me to come bring the message. Saturday evening, I'm on my way. I've left the pastorate by then. I'm on my way to Knoxville, Tennessee area. And he said, Brother Hurt needs to preach, and he needs to leave so he won't have to drive so long tonight. And I preached, and, uh, and as I was going out, there's a usher back there, and he said, there's a man in the parking lot waiting to speak with you. He knows you're in a hurry. But he was in the meeting, and he left, uh, went outside, and said, just tell you he's uh, waiting out near your car. And I got out there, and it was that brother. He'd heard on the radio that I was there. And... Uh, he said, Brother Hurd, I just drove over tonight to tell you God's let me serve him again. <clears throat> His eyes was moistened. His voice had the motion in it. I sensed the reality of God on him as he was talking. I said, really, I'm glad to hear that. He said, I heard on the radio, he lived 75 miles from there, I heard on the radio that you was here, and God just said, drive over there and tell him. Now, there's months has passed, probably at least uh, six months, maybe nearly a year has passed. And he said, I just wanted to tell you that God's, as he put it, God's let me serve him again. He pastored at one time in North Carolina. He pastored in three different states, and I was back in the area near where he pastored sometime after that. I'm guessing a year even after that. And on Wednesday night when we started, one of the deacons said, Brother Hurt, I've been in revival two nights already this week. And the preacher said, they're closing tonight. And the preacher said, I think he's up in your area. And I said, really, what's his name? And he mentioned, and it was him. <laughs> I said, is he preaching that meeting? He said, yeah. I said, tell me about it. Did you, you heard him Monday and Tuesday? Oh, he said... I told my wife when he started preaching, he's a broken man. He said, Brother Hurd, I haven't had God speak to me in a long time through a preacher like he did Monday and Tuesday night. He said he preached with power. He said, uh, he, he sings also. He said, do you know him? I said, oh yeah, I've met him. I haven't seen him in a while, but yeah, I've met him. <laughs> he said, he sings also. I said, yeah, yeah tell me about it. Oh, he said, he, he, he can sing. <laughs> Now, the way this brother expressed, he said, oh, he can sing like a bird. <laughs> I don't know all that means. I've heard different birds, amen. <laughs> but that's not the end of it. I was in southern Illinois preaching, and a lady playing the piano for him in, in the absence of the regular pianist. And that was her home church, and she's come back there that week of the meeting, and she said, I bring you greetings from our pastor. He's on 75 miles south of there. And I said, who is your preacher? She said, we have a new preacher. He's been there three months. And when she told me, it was him. He's introduced me annually when I go to preach for him. <laughs>
I think this last time I was with him was the the eighth year. He's kind to me. But he said if Brother Hurt hadn't encouraged me in that pastor study and said to me, here's some requirements. Here's what God says. Here's not what the brethren say. Here's not what some individual says you have to do. He said, Brother Hurt pointed out in the Scripture and said, here's what God required of Simon Peter. And said, he said to him, if you will meet those requirements, I think God will use you. Oh, heaven's all over that place. I've said that to say this. Look at those requirements, just as simple as they can be. And they're right here in the Scripture. He's getting ready to recommission Simon and put him back to work. But the first thing that he does, he's got a question for him. And he puts it to him three times. He said, do you love me? Do you love me? And Simon would respond, and he comes again and said, Simon, I want to know this. Do you love me? And finally, Simon Peter just appeals to his omniscience. He says, you know all things. You know I love you. And before he put him back to work, the thing that he required, the basic thing, he said, Simon, I've got to know this. Do you love me? Without that, whatever we try to do in his service, it's tinkling cymbal and a sounding brass. No demand for noise. It's just making a noise. There is nothing lasting about it. There is nothing glorifying to the Lord unless what we do is motivated out of a heart that's in love with Jesus Christ. And a lot of the things that he could have asked him, he, he skipped over them and he came to him. And three times, for emphasis sake here, he's saying to him, I've got to know this, do you love me? And then he'd say, feed my sheep. Take care of my lamb. Shepherd my sheep. You know, I got to thinking about that. He, he, he didn't ask him. He didn't say, Simon, before I put you back out there to work, there's, there's a question I have. I've got to know this. Simon, do you love sheep? He didn't ask him that. Here's the shepherd talking to him. And the shepherd knows that when you love the shepherd, you'll love what the shepherd loves. You can gauge your love tonight, I mean, by your response to that which our Lord uh, loves. When you love him, you love those that he loves. Bible says when you love him that begat, that's the father, you love those that's begotten of him. That's the family of the father. And so here's our Lord coming to Simon Peter, and the very first thing that he does, he, he, he asks him a question about his love. So the first thing that I suggest tonight, before he ever used him, he, he challenged his love, or he concentrated on his love. He said to him, I've got to know this, Simon. I've got to work for you. There's something to do. But do you love me? I was preaching down in Atlanta, Georgia, some years ago now, I was in a motel out there on Interstate 20, just out of the, from a little ways from where I was preaching, and I came in from the meeting on that Sunday evening, and there's the first, first service I, I started on Sunday night. And when I came in, the, the lady at the desk, as soon as I went in the room, I was in 101, and the phone rang, and she said to me, she said, Pastor, there's someone waiting in the lobby for you. We don't give out room numbers. He asked for your number, and 
I called your room and I just told him he wasn't in and he, he said he, he would wait for you. And she said, if you'd like, I'll send him to your room or if you prefer, I'll put him on the phone. And I said, uh, just give him the phone. She said, I'm an extension. I can give him the phone. And she called. And by this time, I pulled the drape back. I can see. I'm just over here across the hall. I didn't recognize the man. He took the phone. And uh, the moment he started talking, I'm aware that uh, he's not there to harm me or anything. And he, he said, I was in your meeting tonight. And he said, God wanted me to come by. Could I, could I speak with you? And I said, sure. I hang the phone up. Come across the hall. I'm in 101. And he did. And he told me a story that touched my heart. He said, after you got in, I've been there before. That's my third meeting. And he, he was kind to me. And he said, I'm out of church, Brother Hurt. He said, I want to hear you preach. I came in late. I left early. Then he said, if somebody had told me, I believe he said three months ago, if somebody had told me three months ago that I could be spiritually where I'm at tonight, I'd have never, I, I, I couldn't have believed it. He used to have the leading bus route. He said there wasn't a Sunday that they didn't baptize folks that our route brought in. And then he said, I don't even know that I care anymore. And here's what he said. God wanted me to come by. And he said, uh, to talk to you again, he said, when you preach tonight, and I preached on the text I did here two nights ago, some have compassion making a difference. And he said, Brother Hurd, I, I used to relate to that. I used to weep over souls. I used to have brokenness for souls. But he said, and, and I quote him, he said, my heart's as cold as a stone. And his question went like this. He said, God wanted me to come by and ask you, listen to his question, can you tell me how I can make myself love souls again? And my answer to him was this. I said, no, sir. Brother, I'm afraid I can't tell you that. I don't have that answer. And he wasn't expecting that. He said, really? He said, I kind of thought maybe you could help me. I said, maybe I can. But notice what you ask me. Can I tell you how you can make yourself love souls? That's supernatural to love souls. I said, I might help you get back in love with the one that died for souls. And when you love him, he'll love people through you. It's like you turn a light on him. Here he is, a man probably in his middle 30s and at one time had been so useful and so broken and was used of God to bring so many people. And I'd recall he'd weep over them when they came. And he said, I see it, Brother Hurt. That's when I quit weeping. That's when I quit, that's when I quit getting involved. He said, when I quit loving Jesus. Oh, he's saying to Simon, I've got to know this, Simon. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Did you ask yourself that question tonight? See, he went to that church in the last book of the Bible, and I, I think I quoted this the other evening. If he didn't say they didn't love him, period. That's not what he said. He said you've left the quality of love that you had at first. First love is a kind of love that they were not expressing then. And he said, you need to remember that and return to that. That honeymoon kind of love. 
The prophet in the Old Testament called it a spousal love. And God said to them, there was a love then that his ancient people had, that, uh, that espousal, that love when that relationship was tender. That's what the Lord has in mind. And he said, you need to recall that and return to that. And he's saying to Simon, do you love me? Do you love me? I was in a meeting just two meetings back. A man had got saved the week before. He called me aside after a meeting. He, he's a man probably, I'm guessing, in his 40s. He had a list. He put some names down. He's asking me if I would pray with him about his loved ones. Big tears as he was talking, just trickling. He said, I want my family saved more than I can think of anything. And I thought when he left, the tenderness of that man. The Lord's presence was so real as he was talking to me. And just to be honest with you, it was a challenge to my old cold heart. I found myself going back to my room and I said, oh my God. There's one who's only known you a few days. And your love is so shed abroad in his heart. And uh, it's so obvious he's so tender. He's so broken. You say, do you think we can keep that? I, I don't think he would have written to a church if it wasn't possible to keep that kind of quality in our lives. For we're walking with that awareness. So he said to him, do you love me? He challenged his love. There's a second thing he did before he used him, having challenged his love, concentrated on his love, he then laid claim to his life. Notice how he, how he put it in verse 18. He said to him, when you was a young man, and if I can paraphrase it, you, you dressed yourself, you walked where, where you wanted to go, but he said, the day will come when you're old, they'll, you'll stretch forth your hands, and others are going to gird you, and they'll carry you, whether thou wouldest not. And John is careful to tell us in verse 19 the comment on that. He said he was signifying. That is, he's given a symbol, a sign, about the death that Peter would die in glorifying God. And then he said to him, follow me. What our Lord was literally doing here in the life of Simon Peter, he was saying to him, Simon, I'm, I'm asking that your life be given in such a way that you'll bring glory, even unto death if necessary. He challenged his love. He claimed his life. See, some of us, we want God to use us, but we haven't given ourselves to him yet. We still want to live our life, but somehow we, we want Him to uh, take us and use us and touch us and use us, and yet we're still controlling in our own lives. He not only concentrated on His love and He claimed His life, but then notice the third thing He did. He commanded His loyalty. When Peter turned around and he saw John, the one that's writing this, he saw him following, and Simon said to the Lord Jesus, he said, uh, uh, what's this fellow going to do? And Jesus, in essence, said, that's really not your concern. That's not your business. What is that to thee? And John says that when he said, what is it to thee that if I leave him here till I come? And John said the rumor got out that he wasn't going to die. But John said that's not really what he said. He just said to Peter, Peter, it's not your business. If I leave him here till I come, you follow me. Now listen carefully in closing tonight. Would you let him challenge your love? 
Would you let him lay claim to your life? Would you just take your hands off tonight and just say to him, be Lord? And then would you be loyal to him? Regardless of what others do. See, here's Simon Peter. The moment that he gets instructions from the Lord, he looks around and he sees another and almost gets distracted and sidetracked. And Jesus said to him, and he, and he repeated it. He said, Simon, you follow me. Oh, how many people I meet across the country, they, they're not now being used of God. You know what the problem is? Oh, they're not necessarily out in some, committed some act of uh, immorality. Someone has disappointed them and discouraged them. And they got their eyes off of him, and they got their eyes on someone else. And here's the Lord saying to Simon before he uses him, he said, I got to know, do you love me, and will you live for me, and will you be loyal to me? Even if others are not, Simon, you follow me. And that preacher I visited with him. Uh, the last time, next to the last time I was in, in the, the church, he, he told me this story. He said, Brother Hurt, there's been a time or two, especially, uh, he said, in the area where he failed. Now, I don't know all about his failure. He just said to me that the disappointment, as I preached last night, came from some people in the church and he said, I wasn't ready for it. Just to be honest, he said, I didn't handle it well. And said, it discouraged me. And in discouragement, I got defeated. And then he said, I stepped aside just temporarily and was going to take another church perhaps, but I wasn't ready then. And his main problem that I encountered was what I preached about last night. He was bitter. Very bitter. And it even got to the place such resentment that in his term later, he said, Brother Hurd, it had moved from bitterness. There's even malice there. Malice is that attitude with a desire and intent. If we could, we, 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 would, we would hurt someone. And he said, when God started breaking me, he said, in the area where I lost my testimony, he said, to be honest, I almost got down discouraged again when some people, as he put it, he said, I think it was an organized effort to try, you know, to discourage him. But his point was this. He said, the Lord said to me, will you be loyal to me regardless of what anyone thinks? Would you tonight? Would you love him? Live for him? And then just be true to him. Just be loyal to him. And the harvest is plentiful tonight. The labors are few. He's ready to use us. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. God's people in a moment of quietness. What a privilege, what a joy to be used in God's service. I'm not just speaking to preachers, pastors, evangelists, missionaries. When I talk about being used in God's service, I'm talking about all of us the family of God. Our lives becoming, as I said two nights ago, a light in darkness, becoming salt in a decaying society. See, he takes his people and uses them for his glory. Now, there'll be obstacles you'll have to overcome, discouragements that'll want to pull you down, 
And when you're loving him, giving your life to him, and being loyal to him, following him, he'll take your life and your life will be a means of God touching other people. Pastors coming all over the room tonight. There's people already talking to God. My, I said to him there a moment ago, Lord, help us to stay in that position that you can use us. Loving you, living for you, and looking to you, being true to you. Don't get sidetracked. Father, in Jesus' name, seal truth to us tonight. Thank you for the privilege of being here this week. And there's been, you've been so gracious. You've been, you've been, Lord, just what we needed. You've just come to us at our points of need and talked to us. Seal this to us tonight. And we'll bless you for it. We pray in his worthy name. Amen. Stand with us, please, as we stand together. You may want to talk to him here in the front at the closing night of this series of meetings. Don't miss him tonight. You may want to come out of a sense of gratitude and just kneel here and talk to him. Maybe you want to come tonight and just ask him to help you to love him and live for him and be loyal to him. He'll use you while we wait you come.